Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome in Rose City to another episode of the Soccer Made in Portland podcast. We are back after an extended layoff, or in some cases, layover uh, for for some of the podcast hosts. Uh, Yeah, it's been a a busy week with vacations, travel issues, uh, etc., and we appreciate your patience as we uh, work our way back to the microphones here. So uh, welcome back, everybody. Yes, welcome back. Uh, I, where, where were you? You were off off somewhere fun. You were on like vacation. I was on vacation. I actually traveled down to Atlanta to watch uh, Oregon lose forty nine to three to to Georgia. So that was uh, that was fun. Uh, thank thankfully no allegiance for me there technically. Although my brother went to Oregon, my best friend went to Oregon. Uh, so you know, I was there. You know, on their behalf and and hoping the Ducks would do better than they did, but uh, yeah, they did they not. not. Yeah, I was. Uh, so my my family are 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 also Oregon fans, and and I grew certainly grew up one as well. My uncle played football there, and so we we grew up going to games. And uh, my brother, all, who who lives in DC, also went down uh, to the game in Atlanta. I was at a wedding in Querétaro, Mexico, um, which was far far the far better choice <laughs> uh to be down celebrating uh notwithstanding the the travel shenanigans on the way back uh the far better choice than watching you know the ducks lose 49 okay but like did they have waffle house at this wedding uh they did not but okay I think well then, I, yeah I, I may mean, have eaten every chilaquile in Central Mexico. Okay, well that's and and like I, I say every single chilaquile because I think I ate every single one. Like not <laughs> not just like not just every single dish, every single one. It was it was awesome. Socially acceptable breakfast nachos are my favorite thing ever. For sure, you had a little tough time getting back though. Oh, it was brutal. Yeah, I mean, look, anytime you're staying overnight in Dallas is not a good t- is not a good day. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We add Dallas to my list of cities that that, that I've offended, uh, but w- especially when you're involuntarily spending the night in Dallas, uh, that's that's not great. Yeah, man, I might be going there for a playoff matchup here in a few weeks. You, you're putting me in a difficult position, but uh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I st- I stick to my guns. Fair enough. You don't have to go. Um, so, <laughs> the getting into the soccer and jumping into to the team that could potentially be in Dallas uh, for a playoff matchup. The Portland Timbers. Thor- the Thorns will not be because, you know, no. that's, that's not a city that's relevant to NWSL. No, it is not. It should be. I think there should, there's definitely an appetite. But oh, if you want to start that list, that's a yeah, long list. Long list of, of cities that need an NWSL team. Let's start with the Bay Area. But um, <laughs> yes, moving from, from that to, to 
MLS briefly. Uh, the Timbers are winners of four consecutive games since we last recorded a podcast. Uh, they, they beat the Seattle Sounders 2-1, to one, uh, went on the road and got an unexpected 2-1 to one victory over Austin FC, beat Atlanta 2-1, to one, and got a one-zip victory over Minnesota in its most recent game at home, uh, thanks to a Dyrone Espria header uh, and backflip afterwards. Uh, really a a classic the backflip is implied at this point, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that's pretty much expected. You can't really, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it's it comes with the territory. But um, good ball from Santi, by the way. Very good ball, and and he is someone who has exploded this year onto the scene and and has the potential to really be a star next year uh, in a larger role as you know people like Sebastian Blanco and others in in his similar position uh, start to to move into the background a little more as they get older, uh, as, as changes potentially get made uh, for the Timbers in the off season, I would expect that somebody like Santi Moreno is going to be a key cog of the, of this franchise going forward. But, you know, looking at the streak generally uh, this, this team has played its best soccer of the season and sometimes has not even really needed to do so in order to pick up the results uh, you, you look at the most recent game, the, the win over Minnesota, uh, really not a good game of soccer by any stretch that of the imagination. Portland was outshot uh, by a pretty significant margin and kind of looked a little haphazard defensively. And one or two things break the other way and they uh, they lose that game. But they they got lucky in some moments and, and made the right play in the right moments and bent but did not break in others. Uh all you got to do is score more goals than the other team and you win. That's that's a fact that few people uh, pay attention to. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I think some people pay attention to that. Uh, <laughs> but look, <laughs> I mean, so the, the four results are great. They're really critical. It has put the Timbers into a good position heading into these final three games in which there's a good chance that three points from the final three games. And look, none of those games are easy. So, you know, three points from those final three games is still like work to do, but it's put them in a position where they, if they can get the three points from those final three games or more, uh, you know, there's a good chance they'll qualify for the playoffs, which is, you know, doesn't go on the resume, but it's better than the alternative. Um, I, so yeah, uh, I, 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 the results have been great. Uh, the result against Minnesota was was great, really important. Uh, you know, I think I tweeted before the game that that basically any path to the playoffs the Timbers may take involves three points against Minnesota, and they got them. Cool, and they've gotten some good performances in, in, in that period. The game against Minnesota, frankly, was like vintage Diego Chara. He was so so good in that game, um, and especially after the first twenty minutes or so, in which the Timbers were just like kind of bafflingly disorganized uh, and seemed to be diving into a lot and missing a lot uh, defensively uh, uh, in the first 20 minutes or so against the Loons. They kind of bottled him up, and a lot of it was because Diego Char just dominated, absolutely dominated the game. Uh, so great. They've also had some good performances, as we've discussed, from guys like Santi Moreno, Dyrona Spria, uh, Zach McGraw. Uh, I, I think we are overdue to give uh, to give some credit to 
uh, has been has been a like really good addition to this team since they've gone to the the three center back set. Yeah, I got to give Zach props. Uh, he shot me a, a DM the other day and and uh, sliding made, into your DMs. Yeah, he, he made it known that uh, he had not uh, up to that point when he DM'd me had had a yellow card in two games after talked. after we had talked talked about that. And I do want to give him a shout out for his excellent play these last few games. Now, unfortunately, he will miss the next game due to a yellow. And I want to say and I want to say that the commentators curse that she was finally sitting on the other foot isn't it now yes it is it's it's <laughs> certainly i'm i'm feeling the weight of that shoe on on my foot um but but in reality uh you you see it with what Gio Savarese has told the media uh publicly and privately in that you know zach is really coming into his own and proving that he can play at this level and is, is somebody yeah, who I agree. uh they probably should have turned to earlier uh, as the season was going along uh, you want to trust veteran players like uh, like Dario Zaparic and Larice Mabiala uh, to do their jobs, and and to to Dario and, and Larice's credit, early in the season they were. But as yeah. as the season waned on, as as the age of both of those two players uh, began to show, particularly for Larice, uh, it, it became time to to make a move. And and after that SKC game where they lost four to one. Um, Geo implemented uh, three in the back with with Zach in there, and it's worked every single time. And and they've yeah. got gotten the the three points out of every game that they've done that. This is going to be a big test without Zach now. Uh, who who they plug in there, whether it's Larice or even you know maybe give Juan Mosquera a little bit of run uh, in, in there as a substitute late in the match to to see how he difficult game fits. to do that. Yeah, but very difficult game. Bill Tuiloma will have a little bit more tired legs than than he might otherwise because he'll have competed in a couple of friendlies for uh, for New Zealand uh, September twenty second and twenty fourth. So a lot factors in there. Uh, obviously, not a not going to be an easy matchup by any stretch against a Columbus side uh, that is typically very good at home, coached by Caleb Porter, who who always will have an axe to grind when he gets to gets to play Portland again. A uh, little bit of a weird. I mean, to, in fairness, yeah. Caleb does not need an, an invitation to like, you know, have a reason to be like uh, into a game and have a reason to be up for a game. That, that, that guy's pretty competitive. He is. He's a major competitor. Uh, but Portland is lucky in that they have a, a competitor in Geo as well uh, going into that game. So it, it should be. um really an exciting matchup and one I think will be competitive because the Timbers want to keep this thing rolling. They are after everything that has gone on in this season, the, the lows, the, the wooden spoon territory they were in prior to the international break. They are one point off of the four spot, which is Nashville with an opportunity to potentially host a first round playoff game. Now they still have to do work in order to stay in the playoff picture. LA galaxy or hot on their heels as our uh, Minnesota and Real Salt Lake. But the fact that that opportunity exists is just indicative that this whole late season Timbers thing is just happening again. And, and I will eat as much crow as, as the next man for, for essentially writing them off on previous podcasts, whether it be ours or other people's saying that I, I figured the season was done. Uh, I did not think that this, major tactical change that Gio Savarese underwent um, was going to, to be the end all be all and the major save, but it has been, and, and it hasn't just been, you know, the way they've set up their defenders. I, I think that Dyrone Espria being put in there uh, in, in a spot that he hadn't really played much all season. He'd played some 
minutes out of desperation when there were injuries. But two spots he hasn't played much now. Two, yeah, exactly. Both as a striker and a wing back. Yeah, and and he has shined in both. He has been running his butt off. I, I've never seen a guy yeah. uh at, at his age and, and with as as run down as, as somebody his age might look in their career, uh just go so hard other than maybe Diego Chara, who is, you know, a, a next level freak athlete that you, you can't really compare anybody to uh, an ageless wonder, if you will. But I mean, Dyrone. Yeah. Yeah. Dyrone. Uh, <laughs> he, he, after one of the games where he played a full 90 and, and was busting his butt the whole game, I saw him take the stairs up in Providence Park after like the post game press conference. I'm not even taking the stairs, bro. And I'm I'm sitting in the press box all game. I, I take like the elevator back up to the fourth floor to to get into the press box post game, pu- punch <laughs> punch the quotes in. And this dude plays a full 90 of soccer, which you know, everybody can criticize these athletes all they want, but it is like an unbelievably difficult and exhausting sport to play. You're Very running, nice. running Very for nice. miles, exhausting sport. Um, and he took the stairs. So that's indicative of this guy, just like energizer bunny status for, for this team. And, and he's been great. Uh, Seba Blanco has, has done what he's supposed to do in some moments, but he, I mean, He's he's just at that age where he he contributes in bursts and and you can't really expect him to be your superstar. I think Eric Williamson um, has had a good season overall, but lately been a little bit up and down as far as his contribution. The Minnesota game, I, I would have liked to see more from Eric, uh, but given how much he's been relied upon, it's understandable for him to maybe have a, a down game or two here or there. Um, and and just the way that things are structured, he may not be as involved as he normally is. So, you know, overall, um, they're finishing the season the way that they need to in order to to potentially pull an upset or two or make a make a run. The question is: Is this roster capable of doing so, or are they going to spend all their energy getting in, and then once they get there, it's it's going to be okay we're matched up against a team like Nashville that's got Hani Mukhtar that's that's an unbelievably dangerous side to face. You you might be matched up with a young and spry Dallas team uh in the first round that that is always a difficult out and and got off to an incredibly hot start against Portland last time the team was in Dallas uh and it beat them soundly. I, or you're maybe matched up against Austin who yeah, you beat them 2 to 1 uh when you went down there this most recent time, but that is going to be a very difficult environment to play for a postseason game. And that's an Austin team. That's, that's definitely uh, going to be out for revenge in a game like that. Should you end up with that matchup? And then they've got a lengthening list of teams to get revenge from. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's plenty, plenty on, on that list that you could say uh, (laughs) are seeking revenge. Yeah. Well, Austin's just like getting crushed by everybody right now. Yeah. Oh, uh, which is like it's a thing that happens this time of year, especially when you've got a younger a younger team um that's uh that's been playing the way they are. Once in a while those those teams sort of just get figured out uh and like the results turn on them really quickly <laughs> uh until they can adjust and and maybe Josh Wolf will be able to, but uh they have they are a team that I, that I think a lot of teams in 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 the west are circling and saying hmm, I might not mind uh that matchup quite as much as I thought I would a few weeks ago. 
Who do you think uh, is the worst possible matchup for Portland uh, in the first round? Obviously, LAFC, not I mean, an option. LAFC. <laughs> are, we, yeah. are we talking non-LAFC? Not everybody uh, but LAFC. <laughs> LAFC, yeah. assuming those those lads take care of business and, and stay in the top spot. First round matchup, who's, who's the worst case scenario? You know, it's interesting. Outside of LAFC, there's there's nobody that really terrifies me, although I think basically anybody could be at the Timbers uh, on any given day. Uh, but there's nobody that I circle and say, gosh, that would be just a nightmare of a matchup. Dallas, maybe. Uh, maybe among them. Uh, it's a team that, that plays in a way that doesn't necessarily suit uh, the Timbers all that well, uh, that have that youth uh, and spryness that you discussed. Um, and, and, and I think that that is not, you know, probably the best matchup, uh, Nashville, assuming that is on the road, Nashville is one of those teams that's inexplicably been kind of terrible at home. Uh, and so if you've got to go on the road and odds are better than even that the Timbers will, if they get into the playoffs, uh, then that's not a bad one. I would also Uh, be happy with that road trip. Just having never been to the city of Nashville, I'm down just saying, I, I also haven't been, uh, although I've seen a lot of bands that I like go go through there. Uh, And so, yeah, I too would be would be interested in that one far more than Dallas. Dallas. um, Okay, so so if they get in uh, and they play in Nashville, should we record a podcast live uh, from from somewhere in that great musical city? Oh, that's a, that, that's a compelling offer and will depend on various factors, but I'm I'm intrigued. Keep 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 you know, keep that thought in the back of your mind. We will think about it, folks. Yeah. We will <laughs> think about it. And if we don't if we don't, we will record a podcast with at least half of us being live from the Music City. <laughs> at least one of us will be there. <laughs> 50% live from the Music City. <laughs> I'll just um, here's what I'll do. We won't even do what we normally do and record, you know, uh, remotely between each other. I'll just record my portion and like pause and then you can record yours <laughs> on, on your own in. time. Yeah. And just cut it in. Just have it just be track like, it. yeah, just track it. Let's do that. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, Nashville would be a tough matchup. Um, Min- Minnesota, uh, when healthy, do you think is, is that one? Are they going to be healthy though? I mean, that's the yeah. question. They were so depleted, uh, against the Timbers this last weekend, which frankly is why I think that's a, that's a, a win that should cause some alarm for the Timbers because that, that is a game that they should have handled much more easily than they did. Um, are they going to be healthy? That's the question. How bad is, is Bebelo's injury? Uh, Fragapane obviously will be back uh, once he gets off of his, his sort of pile of suspensions. Um, uh, couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. But, you know, I mean, he, he'll, he'll be back. But they, they have some injuries across, uh, across that front line. Um, and they're a, they're a team that's that's okay uh, that that looked okay uh, defensively, uh, but yeah, I mean, are they good enough defensively to do it without a fully fit and informed Bebelo Reynoso? No chance, zero percent. Uh, so you know, I mean, if if Bebelo isn't a hundred percent, then that's that's very much a team you'd like to see in the playoffs. I think RSL is a team you'd like to see in the playoffs. Look, good teams don't draw zero zero at home against DC United in a critical game. RSL is, is a team that's done well for itself uh, and is punched above its weight, but its weight it class is just what it is. Uh, so, you know, I, I mean, it, it's funny. There's, there's, there's a big middle class in, in the Western Conference this year, especially with Austin seeming to slip back into that group over the course of the last few weeks. I don't think there's any of those teams that you wouldn't say the Timbers have a chance against. Uh, I also don't think there are any of those teams whom you'd say the Timbers are necessarily heavily favored against. 
And at the end of the day, even though they've slipped a little bit, they stumbled a little bit in the last few weeks. LAFC is 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 you know uh, a head above everybody else in in the Western Conference, uh, and save perhaps Philadelphia, a head above everybody in, in in MLS. Yes, there are some folks in Montreal that might be shaking their fist at you right now, but um, the the well, you know they need to they need to stop like giving up two goal deficits in the first like half hour of games at home. <laughs> like, yeah, I like, you know, they got to win that game against, uh, against the crew at home if they want to be considered among that class. True. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think that the, the Timbers have a chance against pretty much anybody. And conversely, I would, I would say that uh, there's no one team uh, that, that you'd say, Oh yeah, they'll, they'll win that game for sure. Uh, they can do themselves a whole heck of a lot of favors if they keep going up and get into that four spot. Uh, they have an outside chance at the three spot, but that's unlikely. Uh, so if, if they could get into the four and play a team like Nashville, or if Nashville drops down, be able to host Minnesota again, uh, RSL, if somehow RSL has a little late surge, uh, that's ideal to me. But the problem is you then set yourself up for, um, for facing those boys in LA, uh, and you want to avoid them eventually. Yeah, I mean, you do eventually, but <laughs> you figure uh, avoiding them for as long as possible might might be a good thing, because yeah. then you can say, oh, you gotta well... got to play them in two weeks anyway, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> in Portland. Yeah, and who knows well, I mean, uh, Yeah, who knows how that'll go so and here, who will play in that he, game, but yeah. Here's the fact I will state for the record, and then the question I'll put to you. In the Timbers' four-game win streak, and I have no idea where this lands in MLS history, but it wouldn't surprise me if this is the first time it's happened. In the Timbers' four-game win streak, they have scored precisely zero goals from the run of play. <laughs> I mean, what do you make of that? Uh, is ha- Has this been a matter of, of just kind of good fortune and the Timbers nicking set pieces and penalties where they need to, or or, or is this legit? I think it's legit. I, I think that, you know, earning those opportunities is no small feat. You know, getting getting to the penalty spot, being able to, to score – um, out out of those set piece situations as consistently as they have, I, I think is something that should be commended. Now, uh, whether that holds up for a long period of time remains to be seen. And, and you know, statistics would tell you that they will not uh, maintain that pace. <laughs> it's just it's just impossible statistically, essentially. Um, so, I mean, know, I would quibble with impossible. It is possible to win every single. It's game. improbable. It is improbable. It is improbable for them to continue to score every single goal out of uh, out of those situations and win every game. They need to they need to start putting things together in the run of play, and and I think those last connections uh, are are the reason why they don't. You know whether whether it's Yemi Chara kind of getting lost in the box or or having a heavy touch or um, Saba you know firing one in from a little little too far out that that is just off or somebody doesn't catch up to it or these goda's in there and he's just kind of chuffing around. I mean, it, I, it's, it, it's a good, good description. It, it's, it's, you're not finding a whole lot of situations where you're like, Oh man, this is a dangerous team in the run of play. It's just kind of like, well, they got a bunch of athletic guys like Moreno and, and Williamson that are just running like bulls into the, into the box. And then they earn the opportunity. Dyrone's another one that has like, been running his butt off as as we've said before and and earning those opportunities it's just 
it's not sustainable in terms of like making a playoff run to answer your, your question more specifically. It's, I, I think that um, it should be commended as far as them being able to pull out the results despite their lack of production in the run of play, but they do need to start producing more uh, as they get into the postseason, or else they're going to be a first round out. And against Minnesota, I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but they didn't look particularly close to being able to score from the run of play until very late. Uh, when Minnesota was was throwing numbers forward with abandon, the Timbers frankly weren't creating much of anything through the run of play. Yeah, there were and a couple nice of- headers uh, in the first half, but they they were off. Yeah, and like, I mean, in the end, like a, a couple okay chances from the run of play at home against a Minnesota team that's not exactly like you know. This isn't the, the the that is not an elite defensive team. I'll just put it that way. No, they scored four goals against them last time. Right, <laughs> and so you know, I mean, a, a, a few chances from the run of play at home in a must-win game against a much weakened Minnesota United team is is that also does not go on the resume, and and so I have real concerns about this. I I, I grant you, and I think it's a a perfectly good point that being good on set pieces and being able to generate good set piece chances being able to draw penalties uh, and do things like that in the playoffs is a really important club for any team that has aspirations of winning to have in the bag. You need to be able to do that stuff. And the Timbers have done it. And I also agree with you that that there are a lot of their mostly younger guys who are stepping up. The Zach McGraws, the the Santi Morenos, the Eric Williamsons, the, you know, he's not a younger guy, but Dyron Espria. Uh, those guys are all stepping up and they are stepping up to the plate and 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 they are finding ways, at least they have over the last couple of weeks, found ways to get these results. And so full credit to them. Like those guys have proven themselves to be to be quality players. Those guys have all proven themselves to be, you know, in pin contributors in 2023. Uh, and frankly, if I were the the, the Timbers brass, I would be feeling pretty good about where I am in 2023 because I've seen a lot of those guys who have demonstrated that they're they're willing and 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 worthy and capable of being real contributors of winning of helping to win important games. But I think the team's 2022 ceiling remains quite low. And I think ultimately the 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 lack of production from the run of play comes from the fact that the guys who are getting paid the big money to to create those kinds of chances and finish those kinds of chances aren't doing it. it I, I mean, Sebastian Blanco has overall been about what the Timbers bargained for and uh, being a high TAM, low DP kind of guy who they've got some flexibility with there. And I, I think sort of his his production was foreseeable uh, in light of what we saw uh, with the injuries in, in last season, just, you know, the the inescapable grasp of time. Uh, uh, Diego Chara accepted, you, you know, so I, I think, I, I think, you know, it's been a step back from Blanco, but it's been a, a foreseeable one. Yeah. And he's still productive you and know, he's in, still productive and he's still he's finding. Playing. Yeah. And he's still finding, uh, the ability to, to chip in goals and assists, uh, at a decent rate. He could probably use playing a couple fewer minutes than he is. Uh, but you know, I mean, in a perfect world, I think the Timbers would be bringing them off the bench a little bit more than they are, but it's not a perfect world. Uh, and they're not getting the production from the other places they would need it in order to do that. And if you think I'm talking about Yaroslav Nishgoda and Jimmy Chara, you're, you're gosh darn right. I am. Um, and that's, I look, I mean, <laughs> the reality is the, the Timbers have made this run in the last couple of weeks while having almost dead weight at the top of the roster. It hasn't been those guys who have been who have been leading the charge. 
And look, I mean, you're just not going to be able to make a run if your DPs are giving you close to nothing. And so, I mean, credit to the guys throughout the locker room who are probably looking around saying, hey, maybe I should be making some of those guys wages. Um, Would be a reasonable thing for them to be thinking at this point because they've been the ones carrying the team. Zach McGraw is making, what, seventy or $80,000 this year. Uh, he He's helping to carry the team right now. Jimmy Char is not. Uh, and and so, you know, I mean, it, that's that's sort of where they are. And I think that really is a pretty significant limiting factor. And if and unless that changes, unless something in the in the last few weeks changes to to, you know, get those guys going and get them playing like the DPs that they're being paid to be. I think the ceiling is relatively low for the Timbers. And, and you know, I do look at this this four game stretch and and great results. Full credit to, to the players who have helped get him there. Uh, for doing that, but as in terms of what it means sort of going forward in the near term, I don't know. And I imagine if you're the Timbers, uh, you're looking at that saying, all right, for 2023, if we can get some, some, some better guys at the top of the roster, if we can get rid of some of this dead weight at the top of the roster, we might be pretty good uh, because we've got some guys who can do a job. Right. I think that they are definitely on the verge of, of bumping up against that ceiling. Um, just Just getting the last bit out of out of the more veteran guys that they can and then seeing the the young players round into into form and and become really the players they had the potential to be uh so i I think this year is going to be maybe a fun finish with a potentially exciting playoff game or two and then then you look ahead to next year as your opportunity to retool and find yourself back in legitimate contention if you if you make the right moves um, as far as what those moves look like, yeah, I, I mean, I, my understanding is, is that there is, it's going to be an active off season for the Timbers in order to, to make the changes necessary, uh, to, to make those, uh, those changes that will bring in players that are on the same track potentially as Asante Moreno, uh, as an Eric Williamson, who, who can elevate this team to, to be, full of, of young foreign stars and, and domestic stars that uh, that have a chance to to lead them to a championship, which is the expectation here with this club. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I just think the, the, as, as great as the four-game win streak has been uh, and as, as good as the rewards are for sort of getting the Timbers back into a good position to make the playoffs, uh, I, I remain – I guess I, I remain in, in a similar place that I was before. Uh, especially given that that for me, you know, making the playoffs is no sort of great shibboleth uh, of a tremendous season or anything or anything like that. Uh, just getting in isn't isn't good enough. Uh, and you know, do I think that this team with the performances it's getting at the top of the roster is capable of doing significantly more than just getting in? I haven't seen it yet. Uh, and you know, maybe maybe it'll be a Cinderella story. They'll. You know, I mean, junkyard dogs, junkyard dog. Uh, I I don't know some movie like that. They'll they'll just like junkyard dog their way uh, through the playoffs and and go down Los Cop. Who's to say? Uh, but it would be that kind of a, it, it's going to take that kind of a performance. Uh, Bad news bears. What what would be a good a good like 1980s sports movie reference for this? Oh man, um, I I, I don't know. I, Bad news bears isn't really relevant because they haven't been like terrible and then they suddenly you know, make, make a run, but, but, you know, I mean, they would be, they would be sort of like a, a, a random hodgepodge of, of, you know, like 
you know, MLS contributors and, 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 but like no stars taken down. Are they the mighty ducks? They could be the mighty ducks. It's, it's more like, you know, old guys kind of getting the band back together type of movies because these, these are guys that some of them have been contributors on championship competing teams in the past. So uh, maybe it's like wild hogs or something like just like some old, the old actors just hopping on a chopper and just like doing something fun that, you know, it may not get the critical acclaim of, you know, some other films and rightfully so wild hogs. Is, <laughs> rightfully so. Wild hogs and the is not a also not getting the critical acclaim, especially uh, in light of that game against Minnesota. That was just, again, I want to reiterate a pretty bad soccer game. Yeah. Bad soccer game, but you know, good string of results and, and Hey, Maybe sometimes while you're watching Wild Hogs, you, you find yourself with a few shoulder shakes, a, f- a little bit of a warm chuckle when you're sitting <laughs> on your couch with a beer in hand and enjoying uh, what is truly a classic of American cinema. But uh, <laughs> let's move on uh, to, to the other soccer team in town here, the Portland Thorns, who uh, have found their way back up near the top of, of the NWSL standings after a two-game losing streak. Uh, they had lost to North Carolina and to San Diego Wave uh, in back-to-back games. That Wave game was at home. Uh, big one for the top of the table, and the Thorns lost 2-0. Uh, Alex Morgan tore it up. Taylor Korniak was a beast, as she's been yeah, all season for the Wave. Really a difficult player to defend. It, it really, yeah. like, I mean, how do you stop somebody like that? But um, then the Thorns came back, went on the road, got a 2-0 victory over the Orlando Pride. Crystal Dunn made her comeback. Congratulations to her. Uh, after three months and I believe 20 days after giving birth, she's back on the field and c- contributing and being somebody that you can see as, as she works her way back to fitness is going to be an important player for this team. She subbed in for so- Sophia Smith too, which is interesting. She she was playing uh, in an attacking role, which uh, I, I I'm interested to see how Rian Wilkinson uses her in future games uh, and and the danger that she poses as somebody who's so skilled, so aggressive, and and plays both sides of the ball tremendously well. And and I thought it looked pretty good uh, in in her in her appearance, given it, it was against a not very good Orlando team. Uh, but I, I thought Crystal looked pretty sharp uh, in her decision making. I thought she looked pretty sharp with her touches. Uh, it is clear she is has really, really worked hard uh, to get where she is. And so enormous credit to her uh, for for battling back uh, to 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 be able to to be a contributor on this team. It looks like she will be uh, going down the stretch, which is which is a, a huge leg up. Uh, for the thorns, it's always nice when you can add sort of a no doubter national teamer uh, to the uh, to to the mix uh, as you're heading down the home stretch. Right, and you've been getting great contributions out of players like Hannah Bedford and Yasmin Ryan anyway, and so this is this is just you know icing on the cake to to have somebody like Crystal Dunn, a, a legend really of the game in the United States, uh, added back into the mix. Whatever form she's in, she's going to give you something that is better than most players in NWSL uh, above, yep. re- above replacement without a doubt. And the thorns now no sit, question. I mean, they, they sit in a position where they're um, second in NWSL one point behind Kansas city. Uh, those two teams play on Sunday, massive, massive game for the thorns could decide the shield in NWSL this year, that game. 
Uh, that's at 2 p.m. Yeah, local, local time. Beside the shield this year. Yeah, uh, 2 p.m. local time on Fox 12 Plus. Paramount Plus is is the streaming home for that. So very uh, very much looking forward to that match uh, on Sunday because it really with so few games to go and the Thorns have four total left. Uh, that one could very well be the decider. And and this is a Thorns team that is beginning to round itself back into form after, you know, a international break that, that saw Sophia Smith and, uh, and others on the team, including Christine Sinclair and Janine Becky with, with the Canada national team, uh, really be put to work. And, and that's the challenge when you have all of these great players on your roster as a club, uh, it, it, in the NWSL is, is getting them back into form in time for a, a late season run. Um, and, and this is these next few games are the test can't slip up even a little bit because the NWSL standings, you got, uh, Kansas city in first 32 it's points. Wild. It is the hunger games right now. Yeah. It's nuts. And, and it is literally six points separating seventh place out of the playoff picture, angel city and first place, Kansas city. And it is jammed in there with Portland, San Diego, Houston, OL Reign, and Chicago currently trailing Kansas City. Uh, and you've got a courage picture. team in eighth that looks that's on form, one of the better teams in the league right now. Yeah, uh, and looks to be chasing uh, chasing that red line. It's wild right now. NWSL is is absolutely must see TV. The slate of games just this week is is insane. It's craziness. Uh, you've got sort of a a. A red line battle uh, on Wednesday between uh, between the Courage and in, in LA, uh, you've got the Red Stars uh, taking on uh, the Current midweek. You've got Thorns Current uh, on the weekend. You've got uh, you, you've got multiple other playoff teams squaring off against each other uh, this weekend. It sort of feels like it's like a Saturday at the Masters kind of thing uh, this weekend in NWSL. It's not necessarily the final round. Is not you know hashtag decision day or whatever. But it's like it, it very much feels like the kind of week that's going to determine a lot of how uh, how the shield race is going to play out, the playoff race is going to play out, uh, and all that. So tune in, like don't make plans uh, if you can. I have to go to another wedding this time in Boston, so that's that's going to be great. I'm going to be traveling on Sunday, missing all the action. We are at uh, that age, aren't we? Right? It's, Where it's well, it's also like the the post COVID back, backlog. Mm. Uh, we're, we're getting through all the weddings that we didn't have, uh, over the course of the <laughs> last couple of years. So it's great. I'm excited to celebrate. Oh, it's exhausting. Oh, um, but, uh, in, in terms of the thorns, I, I thought this game against Orlando was exactly what they needed. Uh, the, the, the loss to the wave was dispiriting. Uh, it was very obvious that they were just out of gas, uh, and playing against a wave team that was not out of gas. Uh, and you know, although I don't think the thorns were terrible in that game by any means, I, I, I think the wave were deserved winners, uh, and it didn't look like the thorns were particularly dangerous. And, and that worried me coming out of that game, uh, that, you know, I mean that, that it could be that that window could, it could end up sinking the thorns, uh, Orlando's been playing better recently. I still don't, especially after watching that game, I don't, I don't think they're great now by any means. They're undoubtedly a bottom half of the league team, bottom third of the league team, even even now. Uh, but that was kind of a no drama win for the Thorns. Uh, they were the better team through through 
most of the game, to be sure. Uh, that 2-0 lead was completely deserved. The pride kind of came into the game a little bit uh, after the Thorns went up 2-0. But I thought Hinosugi had basically dominated. She deserved uh, to, to get the goal that she did because she'd been a problem all game long. Uh, and the Thorns, for the first, not the first time in a while, but but as they should look more, looked like more than just, we're going to let Soph, Soph go dominate. Uh the thorns, even when they've played well, have at times kind of looked like a team that's like, we're going to do systemic things well, and then we're going to let Soph go dominate. Uh, this wasn't that. This was, we've got a lot more than that uh, to offer, and and we're going to come at you with with a variety uh, a variety of weapons, and that's what they did. Uh, I, it was maybe one of Smith's quieter games of the year. Uh, and yet the Thorns were were winning it at a canter, uh, which which speaks to the shift that everybody else put in. Yeah, and uh, you have to also factor in the fact that Sophia Smith is probably mentally and physically exhausted. Totally, totally. From, from U.S. Women's National Team play and, and, you know, backpacking this Thorns team for the better part yeah. of the entire season. So it was great, uh, especially then, to see uh, to see the rest of the team sort of just dial things up uh, another notch uh, to take some of that weight off of her shoulders that she's carried so much of uh, over the course of the season. And now the Thorns in her week, I, I mean, this game is is enormous uh, against the current. Uh, it, it's, it's, it is now the biggest game of the season uh, after they lost the previous biggest game of the season. It is now the biggest game of the season. Uh, and, uh, and to have the full week off between those two games before they go to Kansas City, uh, to also have the current playing in a tough road game uh, midweek, I think puts the Thorns in a really good spot to kind of be what the wave to were to the Thorns a few weeks ago, uh, where the current are going to be coming in on heavy legs, uh, having having navigated a difficult turnaround uh, because they played the, the the current played on Sunday, if I'm remembering my days of the week right, which is like never a sure thing by any means. Um, but with a, a, a difficult Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday turnaround, now the Thorns are going to have the ability with a much, much more manageable Friday, turn the week over all, all the way to another Sunday turnaround, are going to have the, uh, the, the, the ability to go in with fresher legs and try to take the game to a current team uh, that, that's been playing well recently. And so I think this is a huge opportunity for them. I think that game against the Pride, which was not super taxing, not bruising, uh, was just what they needed. Uh, and and so, you know, whereas a couple of weeks ago, I think there was very reasonable and justifiable concern coming out of that compressed schedule for the Thorns. Now, you know, uh, to use a metaphor for the second time in, in one show, that shoe's on the other foot. Uh, and so it's it's now their opportunity to go take uh, to take the game to, to the current and see if they can sort of snatch control of the uh, of the shield race back. For you, just just watching this Thorns team over the last several weeks and months, um, it's obvious Sophia Smith is is the most important player on this team as far as her contributions and being the the prolific goal scorer, the the flamethrower that she is. Uh, who would be the next most important player to them making a run in your mind, or players if you have multiple? I think it's Sugita. Um. She has obviously has the ability to play in multiple spots, but the biggest thing is when she is playing well, the thorns are so much more creative uh, than when she's not. Uh, when she is a focal point of the attack, the thorns can be really, really clever 
uh, and they can be a real problem uh, when 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 Sugita can is is getting into the spaces that she gets into, like she was against the Pride, where she can pull those strings. Uh, and so for me, that that's what it comes to. At times, we have seen the Thorns team get a little bit bogged down. And look, they're a great attacking team, but they've, they, they're at times a little bit predictable uh, in, in the way they attack. They're going to sit a little bit deeper in sort of the mid-block, and they're going to try to counter off of it, and they're going to try to counter through Sophia Smith. Which, look, that plan works a lot. Yeah, and so, we like, should note that they are like a couple of goals off from the club record for goals in a season. So they like, yeah, they're, they're prolific in, and and that's not diminishing their strategy at all. It's just what they not do. at all. That works a lot, and that has worked a lot for them this year. But especially when you get when when teams sit deeper on the thorns and invite them forward, which is what's going to happen in the playoffs. That's just going to be how it goes. Uh, that teams are going to sit deeper against the thorns and are going to force them to break them down. That's when Sugita becomes critical, uh, because she's the she's the best playmaker uh, on uh, on the field, uh, and that's when she becomes critical. Uh, and so, for me, as, as Hina goes, I, I think the team is likely to go as we come down the stretch here, uh, and and it is a good sign that she, you know, was, was player of the match for me, uh, pretty clearly uh, against the Pride. I think it's going to be exciting for sure to to see what she does in the playoffs. Um, Christine Sinclair is somebody who, you know, she gets the, the requisite amount of, of credit for her greatness generally in her career. But when it comes to this season specifically, I don't think that people have talked enough about how integral she's been to what they've done and how still consistent, uh, of a threat she is with, uh, in the, in the attacking third. And so, uh, her coming back, uh, into the fold with Janine Becky after a long journey from Australia, uh, is, is going to be big in these next few games. Um, I don't think she's the second most important player on the team. I would agree with you. I think that, uh, Hina Sugata is definitely the, the player, uh, when it, when it comes to, to how the thorns put everything together, I think a close third most important is Sam Coffey right now yeah, I, I, I think I that she she is somebody who is is not getting enough talk and you know Ordonez has had an incredible season so you know she's probably going to win rookie of the year uh deservedly but but she's i think that sam coffee is somebody that's got to be in that conversation too because uh the way that she contributes through connecting play and through her staunch ability as a defensive midfielder uh has been tremendous for the team this season it, it's like you know, you, you plug a, a young player in out of position from where she had played before, uh, and are like, "Here you go, uh, be Lindsay Horan." They weren't yeah. expect they weren't expecting her to be <laughs> Lindsay Horan, obviously. But you know that that's the hole that they had to fill, and and that's an elite player in Lindsay who who's tearing it up for Lyon, and we saw her when they came to Portland. Awesome to see her uh, when she came to to Portland for the WICC, um, but but. You know, Sam has been great and, and, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. She comes from a family of sports writers. That's, that's great stock <laughs> that you can't, you know, it's, it doesn't get much better than that. They, they, they know how to, uh, how to raise kids clearly. So. They, they certainly know how to rack up Marriott points. They, uh, yes, but, they do. <laughs> you know, it, it's, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, the, the thing that that's wild for me about coffee, uh, given that she is relatively new to the sixth position is her her passing range. It's it's pretty crazy. That that is a that's sort of a a season sixes skill, 
right? And her passing range is tremendous. It allows them to switch the play quite a lot. She did it a ton. She was really good against the pride. Uh, after Sugita, I, I, I thought, I thought coffee was probably their next best player in that game. Uh, and it was because of that. It, it allows them to switch the field. And that's the kind of stuff you need to do when teams are sitting deeper on you, uh, is, is to try to find those spaces some way or somehow. Uh, and I think the, 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 you know, she allows them to do that. Yeah. And uh, she was, so I, I agree with you. Too. I think she's going to be, I mean, yeah, yeah she, she was, yeah, she was I, tired from us I mean, women's national team work. Yeah. What? Three days after her first cap. Yes. Four, four massively emotional cap. day. And she played a bunch of minutes. So, you know, it's, she played a bunch of minutes. Uh, yeah, no question about it. Um, but I, I, I think that's, uh, I think that's right. But th- I mean, this is just that time of year where they need to be able to find those results. And it was concerning in that difficult window when not only did they not find those results, but frankly, they didn't seem super close to finding those results. Um, they need to be able to, to find them now. Uh, it, look, and if they can go to Kansas City and, and win this game, then the Thorns are probably favored in every remaining game on their schedule. It's not an easy run in by any means. There, there are no slam dunks, uh, but they're probably favored in every remaining game and they would be in full control of their destiny. Uh, so look, you know, I guess I'll put it to you. Uh, I, I know what my answer is. Bigger game this weekend. Uh, Timbers at crew or or Thorns at current. Oh, Thorns current. Yeah. By like in by a, a way. By a significant margin. Now, yeah. Yeah, you know, I I say this with with a caveat. Due to my personal schedule, the game I'm going to be covering, unfortunately, <laughs> is the one that is by far less important. I just want to get that out of the way. I'll be covering Timbers Columbus on Sunday. Um it, but but that game, that that Thorns Kansas City game, speaking to its importance to to the NWSL table and and to the Thorns specifically, it is massive. It, it's Enormous. it's bigger than any game that the Timbers have played all season. It's bigger yep. than any game that the Thorns themselves have played all season in terms of its individual importance. Uh, you're going on the road to a team that is in great form over the last several weeks, has climbed the table steadily throughout the season, and uh, shown itself to be a real danger. And and they're not at the top of the table by accident. They got there by by working their tails off and and being yeah. a, a team that that is very cohesive, very fun to watch. It's had some exciting moments, some highlight moments over the season that everybody's enjoyed on social media. Um, and they're a dangerous team. And this is, this is the ultimate test for the thorns. Are they the team that they think they are, or is it going to be a, well, we'll wait and see until the playoffs type of situation. If they go on the road and win this game, retake the the top of the table, then you feel like they're in pole position for it. You feel like, they have their own destiny and their control and, and that they're going to, you know, use that as a catalyst to make a deep run in the postseason and potentially host every game up until the finals at their place. And, and if, if making, if merely making the playoffs doesn't go on the resume, you know, what does winning the shield sure as shoot goes on the resume. Heck yeah, it does. It'll be up hanging up in uh, Providence park and on a big old banner. So that's correct. That's correct. Oh, so yeah, I, I think this, this is the, the biggest game of the weekend, uh, by far. Uh, it's the one, uh, if I can watch one game, it might be a situation where I can only watch one game because of my travel. Uh, that's the one, if given the option, I will watch. It's going to be an exciting one. Those two games for PTFC this weekend, 2 PM Pacific time, the thorns take on, 
uh, Kansas City on the road uh, at Children's Mercy Park. Fox 12 Plus, Paramount Plus for that one. That's, again, 2 p.m. on Sunday. The Timbers are on the road, 10 a.m. Pacific time. Get up, have some brunch with with your pals, uh, the Timbers. Uh, they play Columbus at 10 a.m. Pacific time on Sunday. That game is on ESPN uh, and ESPN Deportes uh, at lower.com field 10 a.m. Sunday. Uh, that'll wrap it up for us here on Soccer Made in Portland. Thanks for being patient, everybody, as we uh, traverse through this uh, late summer, early fall time. We didn't mention the weather really on this podcast, but I have to note that the weather that's coming up in the next 10 days is absolutely terrific. Fall. It, it does look very nice. Fall Although weather I do, is I, here. Actually, my bad. My bad for not making this, uh, th- this, uh, sort of part of the, you know, the show in chief. Uh, but I did just want to drag one quick person. Ooh. Uh, one quick, one quick timber in particular for a weather related subject. So yesterday you may have heard, uh, there was about five seconds of rolling thunder. Uh, in the city of Portland. Yes. I was the in a movie theater. Yeah, I was in a movie yeah. when it happened. <laughs> the, the internet blew up. Everybody was very alarmed at this thunder that sounded a lot like thunder, uh, including, and I was just baffled by this, including Eric Williamson, who is from the D.C. area and has heard <laughs> plenty of thunder in his days. <laughs> I was just like, of all people, he should have been the guy that was like, everybody calm down. It was thunder. That happens. Oh, man. Eric, great soccer player. Not great at tweeting about weather, man. Wow. Okay. So we'll we'll get we'll hopefully get Eric Williamson's response to to that call out about his his lack of thunder awareness given given where he grew up. Yeah. Eric uh, might, Eric Eric might like soccer made in Portland, but he's going to go on studs up on weather made in Portland. Yes. I will. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask him this week about that. I'm going to I'm going to pass if he doesn't listen to this podcast, which he may well listen to it. Hopefully he does. Hi, Eric. If not, I'm gonna <laughs> um, I'm gonna ask him about that this week. Uh, his his takes on on thunder generally. Yeah, so, should be familiar. Yes, so uh, that'll definitely wrap it up then for us. Glad uh, we got the quick weather made in Portland. Sorry, glad, I didn't get that in the rundown, everybody. Yeah, glad we fit the weather segment in. Cannot miss it for the life of us. Uh, for Chris Reifer, I'm Ryan Clark. Thank you for joining us, and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Soccer Maiden PDX. Leave us a review. Uh, share whatever thoughts you may have about the job we are doing as podcasters. We appreciate every one of you uh, that listens, uh, and we will see you next week. <laughs>